0: The first feature film by the Oscar-winning director of the podcast, Yano. Okay, so I'm going to explain what just happened.
1: Okay, go ahead.
0: This movie has no quotes page? No. And that is the tagline on the DVD?
1: Yes, on the release later in her career DVD. The Milestone Collection DVD. Is that how you watch this? Uh, yes, I bought the DVD. Okay. You bought
0: the DVD? hmm It's on the Criterion. I know that. Now.
1: Oh, know it that. is. It okay. is. Right. Uh, Couldn't have checked in with us Ben I, I would have told you I'm sorry yeah, a long, No it's
2: okay I like doing
1: it myself I it's, like It's on the it Criterion
0: wrong. channel along with her three short films made prior to this Have you seen those David?
1: No and shit I've meant to watch them
0: Hmm Well maybe you can call me Mr. Homework this week because yeah. I did and I
1: win You do You're the winner
0: I win uh, I'd like to talk about the short films a little bit Oh no uh, we should definitely talk about the short uh, films Leading into this but you should watch them Uh, They're also, I think, on the Sweetie release. Okay. Just telling you. Okay, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about the Oscar-winning director of the podcast, Yano. This is what I'm talking about. Front-loaded, okay? Yeah. Because it's a new
2: miniseries. Wait. is Is that a train I hear in the
0: distance? Hold on one second. I think it's getting closer. Kenneth Branagh is slowly taking off his cap looking off to the horizon, right? James Darcy is like, what is it, sir? And he goes, a new
1: podcast, miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. Whom? That's what he says. Can he be? Jane Campion. Oh! One of your favorite directors,
0: David. I feel like someone you've been really wanting to cover for a very long time. I guess so. We have our personal picks always that we're always sort of pushing for.
1: Sure. She was, she's a fave of mine. She was on my bracket last year. Yeah. You've mentioned, Um, David, that
2: you had a very influential class while whilst in University, right? Where you took a, was it just specifically New Zealand film? That's correct. Okay.
0: Because you also had an Australian
2: film class, did you not?
1: No. No? (laughs) Just New Zealand. Why did I think you had like an exploitation class? I don't know. I I do like those movies. I'm very wrong. I'm very wrong. Uh, No, I took, I did. Well, you know what? Set up the show and then we can talk about the class I took in college. It's embarrassing to get something that wrong, David, because you and I are, of course,
0: (gasps) the two friends. Yeah. That is our name. It is our competitive advantage on this here podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. Thank you. I'm David. And it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce baby mhm and uh, this is a Jane Campion series yes that we're calling ahem, i will repeat for
1: clarity the podcastiano the podcastiano that's how i have that's how i have it in my head it looks funny it, there's so it a looks it's like funny
2: kind of do a little wrist. A little italian get a little wrist in there
0: the podcastiano hey evolution of how we say it out loud who sure. knows right but this was the first time, David, where you, in fact, said, we have to go with the sweatiest option. I, I threw out a bunch of options, and you
1: said, it's got to be the podcast, Yano. I liked how it sounded. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun and cool.
0: And I even was like, we could do the podcast, no. And you were like, no, it has to be I-A-N-O. Yeah, it has to have Yano in it. Podcast Yano. It sounds like a computer voice malfunction. Podcast
1: Iano. Look. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we could have done like Holy Podcast or the podcast, yeah, podcast of a lady, table. you know, right. whatever. We could have phoned it in, I not I pitched, for
0: Janie. I pitched a portrait of a casty. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, you really hated that. You got angry and you threatened me with physical violence. I did. I said, yeah. if
2: you fucking say Sales those words to me again. It was intense. Yeah.
0: Look, among the many reasons we wanted to cover her was the fact that what is, you know, considered by most to be her first feature film is in fact titled Two Friends.
1: The Two Friends! Well, it's no, actually no, called not Two done. Friends.
0: Right. Yeah. The definite article is still ours.
1: Yeah, that belongs to us. Right. Um, um But the, yes, Two Friends. This was a TV movie. So there yes. was
0: some uh, deliberation, I feel, about whether or not this was going to count or be a Patreon thing or whatever, but it played at the Cannes Film Festival. It's a proper movie. And also, Angel at My Table also was created as a TV movie, and we're
1: obviously going to count that. Yeah, that was, or was that created as like a miniseries or something? Because it's long. No, I guess it was a movie.
0: I don't know. Anyway. I don't know how these New Zealand TV movies work, it's, but that's, this is where we're starting. Crazy. Two friends. Two friends.
1: Yeah. Right. Jane Campion's first movie. Take us back. Take, Take us back. Take us back to the start? Yeah. To where it all started. Okay, it all started in Wellington, New Zealand. All right. Which is, uh, I want to say that, you know what? I'm going to look it up. It's the capital of New Zealand. It's the biggest city, I think. And that was Auckland might
0: be the... Also, the main hub of all the Jackson productions, right? Am I wrong (sighs) in thinking that... can check this now? That Weta's in Wellington and that... Almost certainly. It's the capital. It's the big city. Yeah. Um, Just saying it becomes a surprising uh, hub of, of film production.
1: Okay. Auckland is the largest city in New Zealand. Wellington is the capital of New Zealand. They are both, of course, on the North Island, which I think is the more populated of the two big islands. And Weta is based in Wellington. Thank you. Um, But yes, New Zealand, of course, is this wonderful country that has a lot of really dramatic landscapes. It's actually really cool to make movies there because you've got a lot of options available to you, blah, blah, blah. But I'm skipping ahead. I did study New Zealand cinema in college, mostly. So I could hang out with a girl I had a crush on. Who was named? Mark the time. There you go.
0: Bleep that out. <laughs> you always forget. You love bleeping out the
1: name you of the gotta person. You bleep her name you out. You always... She what? has a new name now. She got married. She, uh, okay. she, she, she shed that name. But still...
0: I just feel like every time you have an opportunity to invoke her, you do usually... It's to be... only
1: when I talk about New Zealand No, I know,
0: I know, but I feel like you usually do, do it for the enjoyment of our guest. And we have no guest this week. And yet, still, once again, you want to do the bit of saying her name and then bleeping it out.
1: Uh, I also want to shout out my uh, professor, uh, Bruce... Fuck, I need to look his name up. What was his name? Bruce Bruce me... Willis.
0: Hey, uh, this is my class
1: on uh, New Zealand films or
0: something, whatever. I get paid $1 million a class.
1: <laughs> did you see that clip? And I don't stand did up. You see the clip of, of the action movie? Yeah, yeah. I did. Where he like turns from day to night in yeah. the middle of him walking. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It is incredible. But that's like a clear indication of like he… Um, Like, you only get him for a day, right? And they were like, shit, we need to finish this shot (laughs) and he's not here. Right. It turns to
0: night on the other guy's coverage and then as the action starts, it's clearly a
1: stunt double for Bruce. Like, they got like three shots of Bruce. I want to shout out Bruce Babington. That was his name. Okay. My professor of film at Newcastle University. I was an English major but you have ben, to believe that um, yeah. but he did teach a film a course in New Zealand cinema which included the works of Jane Campion as well as like Jeff Murphy you know Roger Donaldson, and Lee Tamahori you know a lot sure. of the, a lot of the names you think of Peter Jackson obviously. But was that it is a surprisingly robust film industry for what is a, a small country in terms of population. Was
0: that your activation point as a Campion fan? Because I feel like both you and I as Oscar nerds, I'm sure had the name Jane Campion rattling around our heads for years before we were really engaging with her work. Cause it's like, Oh fuck. She's like one of the one only of, women nominated only for an Oscar. Two female director yeah. nominees. And at the time she was like the only one who is still presently working. Right. She was the only female filmmaker who could release movies that said from,
1: well, yeah. Nominate director Jenkins. I saw in the cut, I believe in theaters. Okay. Yes. So, I did like, not. I, I saw that and that may have been, I just don't remember when I saw the piano. Mm-hmm. I think I may have seen the piano before then on video or mm-hmm. whatever. So, I'd seen those two movies. I don't think I'd seen any other Campion before I took this class. I still to that day have only seen three of her films. I'm excited to watch a lot of these for the first time. It's going to be great. Yeah. I've seen everything that she's made, but holy smoke, I do not remember it all. Okay. Um, but she's a yeah so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hers but let's talk about Jane Campion who of course yeah, part of the reason we're covering her is she's got her first movie out in many years hopefully it's sweeping Oscar season or at least generating some buzz look I think we felt like it's this was a, this is a win-win situation either
0: she's winning Oscars and, and such right now and this feels like a victory lap mm-hmm. or she's getting snubbed and people are going to be outraged about it and, and demand more uh, acclaim
1: um, but either way, she's going to, she, people are talking about her again. She was born in 1954 in Wellington, New Jersey, I mean, New Jersey, New Zealand, uh, New Jersey, David, I've been watching too much Sopranos. Also, we should, we break. should
0: say that we spent an hour before this episode doing some hardcore spreadsheeting.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm a little zonked from that probably. Um, it's the most April strenuous 30th, physical activity so, David ever engages with. Yeah. Uh, April 30th. Isn't she, uh, You're looking Aries? Stress. No, she's a Taurus like me. She's a okay. Taurus like me. So, so they, we're very similar. Okay.
0: Uh, her dad... David recently made a joke, by the way, that uh, the cause of stress in his life is that both me and his daughter are water signs. And Hosley. And three Hos- water yeah. signs. That the three, three of us yeah, that he got he got fucking shackled to these three uh, fucking difficult emotional water signs. Yeah. And it's the two of us and a baby. He's putting yep. us in a pot together.
1: Yeah. A yeah. yeah. baby is a Pisces. Um... She was born in Wellington, New Zealand, 1954. You, what are you? You're a Cancer? Cancer. Yeah. I got my eye on you. All right. Well. You know, I have the exact same uh, sun rising and moon sign as Wes Anderson. David. Or a Scorpio Scorpio. That's pretty quirky of you. Pretty quirky. That's pretty fucking put, put quirky. My, put my deets into some database. How comes Wes Anderson? Yeah. All right. But
0: it's a, it's a manual database.
1: Yeah, of course. Click, it's click very clock. ornate. All right, her dad uh, was an opera, and she's she she has her root in the arts. She's her the arts arts are in her blood. Dad, a a theater family was a theater and opera dramaturgical family. Her mother was an actress. Mm -hmm. Um, her mother also, I think, was the heir to some sort of like shoe company fortune or something. So they had like they had sunk all that money into a New Zealand like theater company. One of the first professional theater companies in New Zealand. Okay. That's so cool. they were like very arty family. Yeah. And Campion has talked about how she kind of resisted that. Pull. Interesting. Like, she didn't like, she initially got like a BA in anthropology. Like, you know what I mean? Like she didn't go into the arts right away. Uh, And I think, She just wanted to avoid copying her parents.
0: Incredibly stupid Griffin on brand side tangent. David, have you ever seen the movie Mirror Mask? Uh,
1: No, I've never seen the Neil Gaiman production.
0: No. Um, What's his name? Dave McKeon. Right. Right. That movie is uh, not great, but it it has a very obvious but effective uh, sort of opening for this kind of dynamic, which is she is a girl whose parents work in the circus and she's traveled around with the circus her whole life. And the whole movie is about the fact that she wants to run away from the circus and go to a normal school. Right. But she wants the to she's the kid who's like, I've grown being, up around right. these artsy people and I want to live a very normal structured life. And then at the end of the movie, she comes around to it. Anyway, I don't know. Jane Campion... Uh, of course, seems like a very serious-minded person. She's kind of
2: like a Ned Flanders kind of type.
1: You know I, I, mean? I don't get a lot of Ned Flanders vibes from Jane no, Campion.
0: No,
2: Ben's on to something here. She doesn't look a lot like Ned Flanders. She, she has, glasses. Looks, she has <laughs> gla- But also Ned Flanders' parents were famously
1: beaten oh, right there. They're, they're hippies. And that's he doesn't want to be you know, rejected. We've tried nothing no, and we're all I, out of ideas. One I, of my I favorite think, Flanders' parents joke. I think it's a flat tire, man. <laughs> he's taking us on the road to Squaresville. I'm not saying this is... Cubesville, <laughs> maybe?
0: <laughs> I think it's totally Cubesville. <laughs> unique. But for such a great artist, she does strike me as very like serious-minded and pragmatic and grounded.
1: Uh, sure. I've got a quote here from our researchers, uh, Nick and JJ, mm-hmm. uh, where she's talking about anthropology, which in, in, for some reason in New Zealand is called uh, structural arts. That's cool. Or something. Let me look it up. Let me find it. Yeah, structural arts. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, My my degree didn't really lead me anywhere, but we had a fantastic professor, Dutchman by the name of Power. Okay. I feel like in the 80s or 70s that she's going to school in New Zealand in the 70s, it's like, if someone's in New Zealand from another country. Yeah. Like, that's probably sort of an interesting, right? Where they're like, you know what? I'm moving to the ends of the fucking earth. Right. I'm, you know, like, it's not like the easiest thing in the world to get to New Zealand now. No. But in the 70s. Yeah. You know, anyway. No, it, well, I,
0: it, it became like the fucking cliche of like post Lord of the Rings and Bush re-election. So many people were like, I'm just going to fucking move damn. to New Zealand. away
1: from America as I can. Right. Like, it was New thrown Zealand's out. like, we don't want you, mate. Right. It was out here. Thrown, My thrown out New Zealand by everyone. everyone. Really why bad, don't I
0: just sorry. pack it up and move to New Zealand? I, I have met a couple people who did that. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, it's a beautiful country. Yeah. It supports it. You know, it's got a very good safety net. They, they fucking handled COVID better than pretty much anywhere else up oh, until a point in time. Well,
1: it's, you know, it's, you know, they're a tiny country. It's far away from everything. Yeah. They had a lot of advantages on that. Front.
2: But yes. And they're also doing a lot and more recently and like kind of coming to terms with how they treated the aborigines. Yes, yes. Which I think is yeah, also... The Maori people, yes. Yeah. It,
0: it just We're going to talk about that with the piano. Like a more nope. progressive... Uh, sure. sort
1: of but a, this is the thing we country. fetishize these countries uh, no, that's, us Americans that, I'm Same talking with, like, about the post Lord right, of the these Rings Scandinavian countries who are like well I'll just live right. there and it's like yeah well you know it's it's like 5 million people it's like the population of, of Brooklyn over there like, yeah. could have spread out in a gorgeous panorama of mountains and lakes and deserts and whatever anyway. David
0: the point I'm making is that is very much the modern perception of New Zealand and I think you're on to something that if someone's in an expat day, living in New Zealand in the 70s you're like What brought them here? What are you
1: running from? What's your life? Professor power. Right. Anyway, what interested me about anthropology, this is Jane Camp, was to be able to officially study what I was curious about anyway, how thoughts function. Yeah. Their mythic content, which has nothing to do with logic, human behaviors. I believe that I have an anthropological eye, a sense of observation. I loved both the theory and the poetry. What a smart-ass woman this is. This is is what
0: I'm talking about, though. Like, she does not read as someone who grew up in an artistic family. Like, like when you read about fucking Julia DeCarno, right, and you're like, oh, both her parents were doctors, that makes perfect fucking sense. She makes movies like The Daughter of Two Doctors, right? And Jane Campion, I would sooner believe, like, she was the child of two therapists. Sure, sure, sure. Right. But no. But it's interesting that she was sort of rebelling against a more mm-hmm. artistic family and then bringing a more kind of, perhaps, uh, academic mind to art.
1: She graduates from Victoria University. Okay. She travels Europe she attends an art school in Venice she calls this a uh, the best and darkest time in her early life Mm. I think it was a lot of ups and downs you know she's in her 20s so romantic
2: to go study the painting of Venice definitely
1: then in 76 she moves to London attends the Chelsea School of Arts this was a, a tough lonely time for her she says you know London in the 70s God love London but that's a rough time to be in London that's like garbage piling up in the streets you know winter discontent it's so funny the fucking three day work week what
0: I always used to think that old London was so glamorous and old fun. London and then I Damn. saw this movie called Last Night in Soho
1: oh boy it, it, there it, was it, an uh, underbelly to that, that one this
2: place <laughs> so nice it. stubbing in the street which way be in
1: it <laughs> you thought it was all you know pool halls and Glamour Balls and Silla Black crooning. I thought everything mm-hmm. was nice, did not it? Yes. Yeah, so, I wasn't even that interested in movies, she says, at this point. like okay. She didn't grow up with a big passion for movies. Mm-hmm. Her, her love for movies is not yet developed, really. But she does say her mom would take her to, like, Boonwell movies. You know, so it's not like she didn't have any, you know, her mom, they fancy pants artist parents. They're taking her to see cool shit. Um, 77 she comes back closer to home she goes to sydney in australia gets a ba in painting she likes art school she she's really thinking getting about a lot of art. school too. hey man
2: wow like jane loves academic right? yeah.
1: four eyes yeah that's well, why i, I am say to her. well you are too times. yeah, I am true. True. yeah. yeah. Um, and at sydney college of art she's doing painting she likes that but um she, that's when she starts to get interested in you know visual arts, writing little plays, okay. doing little performance pieces, okay. recording it on videotapes. Uh, she didn't like the quality of videotapes, so she decides to make her first short film, Tissues. Did you watch this movie? No, Tissues I couldn't find. That one
0: might not be totally available. That is about I think she makes four films, and three of them are readily in right. circulation.
1: That is about a father arrested for child molestation. Yeah, definitely didn't see that one. She made it on a Super 8 okay. camera, uh, and she's kind of just like... Making it up as she goes along. She's, like, learning on the job. She doesn't really know what she's doing. Um, But making that inspires her. She applies for, like, a grant from, like, the Australian government or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, She meets Gerald Lee, who she writes Sweetie with. Okay. So that's when she kind of, you know, forms that early uh, collaboration. Mm -hmm. She makes an experimental video called Mishap, Seduction, and Conquest. Did you watch this thing? This doesn't seem to count. I don't know. That's like a weird art project. The three I watched were uh, uh, Peel, yeah. okay. AKA Exercise and Discipline. Okay. So that's a girl's the girl's own story one. and passionless moments. In 82, she makes a short film called Peel yeah. colon and Exercise and Discipline, which wins her the short film Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. Yes. Pretty cool. Yeah. So that's what it's, uh, it's about her friend and her, fi- her friend's family, and there's conflict it's What's going on here. A- film. I mean, first of all, it's very short. It's like seven minutes with credits. I think so. It's a
0: real short. Uh, And there's this interesting (laughs) opening credit sequence where she, like, establishes, like, it says, like, you know, an exercise in conflict and Mm. then peel in giant letters. Cool. And then it credits the three actors. Love that. You recognize the two of them share the same last name. And then the next title card is, like, a triangle establishing the family members and their relationships to each other. Right. Where it's like Jack, dad, Alice sister, whatever. I'm I'm getting sure, this okay. picture, right? Like okay. nephew, son, whatever it is. And then it says like a real conflict based on a real family or something like that. What do right, you like? it was
1: inspired at? by her friends. Right. Uh, relationship with her family. Her friend's name, sorry, is Katie Pie. Right. It's cool the Pies. P Y E See.
0: The thing is essentially about this kid's in the back seat and they're driving to go to like a party and the kid is eating an orange. They have all these oranges on the dashboard and he like peels it and he throws the peel out the window. Mm-hmm. And then the guy is like pulls over the side of the road and is like, you have to go pick that peel up. You don't litter. And so he tells the kid to get out of the car, and pick the peel up. And then the kid like doesn't come back. And they're fighting about the fact that they're going to be late. And he goes out, and the kid is, like, clearly, like, now very burdened by the idea that he's done something horribly wrong and is, like, meticulously looking for every single piece of the peel to pick up. And uh, he's sort of trying to, like, console the kid. And then he brings him back to the car, and the woman has now, in the time that she's waiting and being frustrated, peeled her own orange and thrown it out of the car and refuses to pick it up. That's, like, the whole thing. Would it's, you give it the palm? A I, short poem i would not i would admit i you i was into it i was mildly perplexed by this thing the other two shorts i think are great
1: okay well you know who uh also agrees with you the australia film you know whatever the the australian uh-huh. film or you know they were like eh, this thing stinks i don't ju- bother finishing I think it
0: stinks. It i was just like this is odd no, I, I don't totally they, i'm not
1: they thought it's clicking
0: okay well that's them
1: um you know, and so anyway, but so she then makes, uh, she collaborates with Gerald Reed on a movie called Passionless Moments.
0: Yeah, so that it, it is sort of what it sounds like, where it's almost like this is like a series of like three panel comic strips of like awkward moments that people have. Mm-hmm. Odd things that don't seem to mean anything, like two neighbors on either side of a fence and the one guy stretching his arm because he injured it and the other guy thinks that he's waving. So then he has to commit to waving back, even though that wasn't what he was intending to do. And it's like black and white. As far as I remember, there's like no dialogue really. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a Ricky J Magnolia esque narration explaining, like, then there's the story of blank, blank, who is stretching his arm, which is misinterpreted. Right, right, right. It's, just, it's just a funny sort of observational. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's like these moments that are sort of meaningless, right. but are given some sort of meaning in terms of like they're these universal sort of odd things.
1: Um, yes, it won an experimental film award from the Australian Film Institute. She co-directed that. She right? co-directed it with Gerald Lee, who right. she was living with at the time. Okay. I think they had a romantic relationship. Yeah. I don't want to tell any tales out of school. Her final student film is called A Girls Own Story. Now, this thing I think is a fucking knockout. And I don't know if this This is, is about
0: girls in the teenage girls in the 60s. Yeah. I mean, this is maybe my semi controversial opinion. I liked this more than Two Friends.
1: I think Two Friends is is if I'm ranking all her movies, is her her worst movie. Sure. I mean I think, it's 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 got a lot of DNA, in DNA, but I think right, Two it's, Friends it's, is like it's, okay. It's okay. And Story of a Girl is like
0: twenty five minutes, twenty seven minutes, something like that. And packs like a lot more punch. And watching I watched these four things in chronological order. Yeah. And there's such a build to them where I'm like, "Fuck, right. you see her getting like better and getting more ambitious and getting larger that I was like, "I'm ready for fucking two friends and it didn't feel like a step back, but there's just like uh sort of a girl's a, a, a really kind of tight, powerful, impactful object right um but it's almost like uh it reminded me a little bit of like uh Celine Siyama It mm-hmm. it is a A trifecta of girls coming to terms with their own sexuality, teenage girls in New Zealand trying to parse uh, interpersonal romantic sexual relationships both within themselves and their parents and their understanding of these things, each other, and it sort of has... sort of like a series of weird ellipses a lot of the big scenes don't happen Mm. a crux of it is one girl getting pregnant but you don't actually see the sex scene everything you sort of find out in an odd order um but it's just really really fucking good it's like incredibly well made and impactful and you're really getting a sense of her as a visual stylist in this thing it's very off-putting uh and alienating in an interesting way uh, a thing I read about it is that she wanted to cast Nicole Kidman, who was a yes. teenager at the time. Nicole- I was about to okay, drop I'm that. I'm sorry.
1: Then you can say it. Nicole Kidman turned down a role in the film over fears of kissing another girl on screen and? and being sexy, wearing a shower. Huge. She they're they're
0: part of a swim team. She did not want to wear the fucking the cap. The cap. Those like rubber caps. Yeah,
2: they were pretty annoying. She
0: also had uh, pretty bug nuts hair at the time. If you yeah, look the at big, like the BMX, big BMX Bandits, Bandits hair.
1: Right. She had this big curly hair. Cool. Yeah, she's a fucking badass. Have you ever seen BMX Bandits? No. It's a real, real ben, ben. movie. Yeah. You it would love BMX Bandits. Sick. That's, one, that's a movie that would run on British TV all the time. Isn't I'm,
0: that what's his name? That
1: sort of like really good. Orson Welles? That uh, like Australian. Ryan Trenchard Smith? Yeah. Yeah, he is one of those guys. He's right. one of those Australians. He's just one of these guys. pros yeah. who
0: like. Is like, look, the, the promise of a Brian Chenchard Smith movie is it's going to be a little better than it should be. Um, I just make genre films, but I try to make it a little bit better than it
1: should be. So, um, you've got uh, Campion. She's making these little movies. Sure. She works on something called After Hours, another short that she made about workplace sexual harassment. Okay. Which she speaks poorly of. She didn't like making it. It was made for like the government again and, mm-hmm. and whatever. I don't know. She was... Whatever she does not think fondly of that movie. She also worked on an episode of Dancing Days, a miniseries about two sisters who leave the family pig farm to pursue dancing careers in the big city. That sounds cool,
0: David. I'm letting you sort of uh, parse the the yeah, dossier yeah, yeah, yeah. and and lead us into this because she's one of your uh, favorites. This is kind of a, a little bit of a David's choice series. Um, so I, I I'm asking for your clarification here. I couldn't tell if it was just poorly written sentences not in our dossier but in other stuff I was looking at did Peel winning the Palm d'Or happen the same year that Two Friends was in competition yeah. okay yeah. so it was all three of the shorts that are in the Criterion collection yeah the three that I watched all screened at Khan the same in year 86. as Two Friends like she had four different things at Khan correct and she won right the short award okay so that's like her huge fucking year where Con Khan just sort
1: of says like you're Two friends is in uncertain regard, right? Uh, probably. Uh, let me look at it. Nineteen eighty-six Cannes Film Festival. Um, let's let's find out. The but it's sort of the nineteen eighty-six, immediately legitimizes a notorious it. Palm winner. Do you know who won the Palm? What year? Eighty-six. Notorious. I mean, not really. It's it's just like it's not a bad movie, but it's insane that it won against some of these movies. Is it's, it like it's it's like a big studio film? It's sort of. It's The Mission by Roland Jaffe, which oh, is like yeah. a movie that's like very very pretty. Yeah. And has this beautiful score, but is like, you know, okay. And it's yeah. up against like after hours down by law. Um, what are some other, you know, Mona Lisa, I guess it's sort of oh, the sacrifice, the Tarkovsky. Oh movie, yeah. You know? yeah. 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 That's of, a good year. It is. It is usually anyway, in certain regards, so, it's sort of
0: single-handedly makes Campion someone to watch. Right. Uh, yeah. Is that fair to say you have three short films in a TV movie that are all legitimized by the most prestigious film festival in the,
1: planet two of the shorts are in uncertain regard okay. with two friends okay they're screening together a girl's own story no they're all separate okay i mean who know i don't know i don't know if they all maybe they all screen together right? yeah that would make sense yeah and then peel is in the short film competition and wins that's weird yeah well I mean, you, you know, know what? Is weird
2: making me think because you're saying competition and it's sounding kind of like the olympics do judges <laughs>
1: after the movie hold up cars with numbers on it uh, yeah, they hold up. No, they don't. No, they go and they. I believe how it works at like ben, or whatever. Great question. Great question.
0: They Is they I, sit in a little like box, like Statler uh-huh. and Waldorf from the Muppet Show. And the second the screen ends, the lights come up
2: and they hold up the.
1: <laughs> if they go like this thumbs down the
2: crowd is like and, and then they like the, trash the, theater. And the stage opens up and they drop yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the filmmaker down eat them.
0: there there was a, uh, an episode of the Muppet Show where Statler and Waldorf did that it was really funny where they just start rating sketches like they're Olympic judges yeah that's <laughs> that, I mean
1: that's always, I, holding up numbers is actually just always funny I think. it's just funny hilarious um can you tell me who the jury president was in 1986? Pooh, I'm going to
0: say that it was, of course, Paul Hogan.
1: <laughs> he was, was doing everything in 86, yeah. wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. It was the big dog, Sidney Pollack. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Some other big boys. Uh, Charles Aznavour was on uh-huh. from Shoot the Piano Player. I love him. Uh, Sonia Braga I'll host of The Muppet Show yeah Sonia Braga and okay. back in the day when they had fucking film critics on the can, jury Philip French who's a fucking legend like, isn't that cool yeah. Berlin I think still will have one mm-hmm. but the others have dropped having a film critic which yeah. is too bad because it used to be like imagine like because you see the movies every, right. I think it's like I think every day you meet Having seen probably a few movies, right? You're going to see 20 something. That's what it is. Yeah. They have, I think they and, have like daily meetings. And there's like, there's and like, like this woman, what do you at 10, think I believe, yeah. who's like, who's been doing it for years. So she's there too. And she writes down everything everyone says. And so, sort of like, oh, so what did you think of to 10? And they're like, oh, I loved it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, blah should be considered for acting, you know. And then so it's like when you finally gather at the end of it, she'll be like, well, you all said that Tatan right. was the best thing like five days ago. So, you know, like she's there to sort of remind you. Of, but it's like an evolving conversation you, exactly. over the
0: course of a week. And then I think you get contentious horse trading of like,
1: OK, if it can't be best picture, can we at least give director or, you know, right. Yeah. And you'll hear these stories about like, oh,
0: everyone thought this was going to win the Palme d'Or. But what it came down to is the president of the jury just didn't like it. Everyone else loved it. And the president of the jury didn't like it
1: there's some things like that or
0: or opposite way around you know there's one thing they were pushing for really hard that no one else liked or whatever um uh, Ken should start letting uh, one podcaster into the jury i think they should do that Day I, think should. I think you. they should do that and i think love it's to hear embarrassing. What they haven't done whatever's
1: it. playing with them <laughs> no <laughs> all right okay. one bite reviews i'm sorry what okay so um, two, friend. two friends two uh, friends in 1986 abc not the american broadcasting company but the Australian like Australian okay. TV. Okay. They've got a crew available. Are they available. allowed to do that? You, you think they should sue? I think yeah. so. Now. <laughs> they, should, they should swoop in? Yeah. Uh, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation uh, had a crew available. They had an opening in their production plan. They okay. had a screenplay by Helen Garner, who's a famous novelist. And they're basically like, there's a window. Do you want to do this? Yeah, it's also... Do a TV movie, weird. you know. Thing
0: I mean, time for TV movies, I think, especially in other countries where it's like, we need things to fill up broadcasting hours.
1: I mean, that's how so many great British directors get their start in TV, because especially back in the day, and yeah. I think it's the same in Australia and New Zealand, like, there was government money, mm-hmm. you know, come and make an hour-long drama, come make right. a television movie, something like that, about issues, right? Yeah. You know, about, like, life. And, you know, that's like, a, it'll be good for the the culture, Right. right? Yep. not just have trash on television it'll, it'll develop. Not just American trash. Fucking American Well,
0: Well, David, that's a very good point also, is that in non-American countries, TV seasons do not last as long as yeah. they fucking do and shows don't run for as many there's years. There's space. Where they're like, there's space.
2: Yep.
0: Our hottest show is only going to run six weeks a year. You know? It's just wild. Get some fucking film school graduates and give them an issues drama or totally. just a very small slice of life story that we can make cheaply.
2: Right. But it's just wild as all, you know, we're all Americans here. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy to think about.
0: We've all exclusively lived in the United States right. of America.
2: And so this notion of like my tax money went to some idiot who went to art school to make a movie like that would just never happen. Here, yeah. Wouldn't you know? it be great if
0: we could be uh, seeing people outraged about that? If that was like a problem where it's like, yeah, fucking complain about the fact that our government subsidizes the arts
2: Right, yeah, can only imagine. Instead, it's like people don't want to pay for fucking social like services. So,
0: right, people don't want to not die. Mm, mm. I wish the arts were the canard that they could complain I know. about. I they know. still
1: fucking complain though. They're always hauling like big Big Bird in front of Congress or whatever. <laughs> I know it's fucking Being, insane. You piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I Sir pay Roger. for this <laughs> <laughs> like, anyway. Um, Campion loves the script. She liked okay. the freshness of observation. The and truth. this is just like an original spec script? Helen this... Garner, who is this you know novelist and writer, she's yep. been inspired by the experiences of her daughter and one of her friends.
0: Okay. But it's not based on one of her own novels
1: or anything. No, yep. okay. no, no. Um, and uh, Campion goes and meets the girls that the, that Garner's inspired by. The titular? The titular two friends. And, um, you know... Gets to work on this movie, okay. And she has a—I feel like she has a pretty simple camera style. Apparently, she fought with the director of photography. Uh, I had to be very obstinate to impose my views. My, you know, I don't want to uh-huh. cast any judgment on this DP, but he might have been like, "Who's this sure. young lady bossing me around, telling me how to set up a shot? She doesn't know." Um, she didn't do a lot of takes. She didn't do close-ups. This movie is really no close-ups at all. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, when you like start to realize, like we're always at a distance from these girls.
0: I, I mean, I, I not to jump ahead here, but jump this ahead. is a movie where, and I think this is almost by design. I get it intellectually, but I found this movie very hard to connect to until the last like twenty or thirty minutes. I found it very alienating, distancing, which I think was her whole idea. It's the idea, but it might be a little bit of a like cut-your-nose-to-spite-your-face idea. Well, it's also got this, you know, kind of aggressive it's just, yes.
1: storytelling style right. where it's starting at the end of their friendship and going backwards, which obviously which I get, is interesting.
0: But in I, the, the first four or five minutes, I was like, I cannot find my way into this thing.
1: You know, Ben, in House of Gucci, They, I think it's House of Gucci. Maybe it's Licorice Pizza. It's some movie I just saw, this item is in a house. Oh, nice. Which, it's this is, David's
2: talking about, my girlfriend has, from her grandmother, this, like, 60s, uh it's got like a Italian, huge marble base. Yeah. I think it must be in House Gucci. Like kind of overhanging yeah. kind of like light. ceiling light. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know. Well, yeah. I'll take a picture. Sound off in the comments.
1: I agree with you. Sound off in the comments. Yeah, it has to be in House
2: Gucci cuz you and I got a slice together.
1: We did get a slice together and it's not in Liquor Pizza, right? Oh, it? It's in Gucci? It's I'm
2: stoked Gucci. to fucking see that. I feel like LP? everyone's just hyping ben, it up who I like respect. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna have a pie. Yeah. You might
0: want to order a whole pie. Yeah, I, might, might, man. I get
2: a whole pie. I'm going to sit down. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to get delivered. It's sitting
1: down. Oh, you're not, you're not going to take out? Uh-uh. You're, you're going to sit at the Dine at the in. Be,
2: uh, one pie, please. Take. I'm taking the seat. I'll be sitting over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Table 12. Get, I'll get my fountains root beer. Sure. I'm going to be sitting over here.
1: Yeah. W- nothing goes better with licorice pizza than root beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Helen Garner, accomplished novelist. Okay. Um, she wrote a book called Monkey Grip about heroin addiction that is seen as a very important text in Australian literature. Okay. Uh, she's written some nonfiction stuff, sort of true crimey stuff mm-hmm. that is a big deal. And, uh, I think she, um, got into screenwriting, uh, as she put it, uh, for the money. Interesting. Some cash in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, she likes it, but yeah. you know. It-, it is, it is an interesting This wasn't her first screenplay,
1: was it? No, and she she eventually works with Jane Campion here. Obviously, she works with Gillian Armstrong later, who's another famous uh, Australasian Mm -hmm. female uh, director. So she likes working with those people. Uh, she liked working with Campion a lot. I learned from Jane Campion to follow and trust intuition no matter how alarmingly it swerves. I just
0: think the conceit
1: of this story is so novelistic. I'm surprised that yeah, she chose to not, write it but, as
0: a script and not a book first. Yeah.
1: Now, you know, she probably was asked to write a script and she's a novelist and she writes it all novelly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess is the, um, but yeah, I mean, I love Jane Campion. Yes. And she is so good at intimate emotion at, like, depicting it on screen, depicting the dynamics between people yes, in ways that don't feel obvious, but you can, like, understand the nuance of yeah. what's, you know, happening between two people. So I hear there's, like, a movie she made about two friends. It's about teenage well, girl Well, first of all, friendship. you hear it's
0: about two friends. You're already on I'm board, I'm interested. Obviously.
1: You're feeling competitive, yeah. <laughs> but you're on board. Uh, even though this was made, like, the year I was born. Yeah, territorial. Um... Yeah. And so right, I and then like and I that and to me like female friendship, especially between teenage, you know, that's such a. You're already like stiffening up. You're like, oh, this is going to be, you know, there's so much potential for hurt. I think we're both sensey boys who like movies about female friendship. Yeah, but you know, like, oh God, this is yeah. probably. And I was engaged by this movie, but I was not. I think I was maybe hoping for something that was really going to feel like searing. Yeah, I was struggling to stay engaged until the end it's a lot of like, you know, awkward little moments and sort of odd dynamics with the parents and things like, you know, like that, that it's well done. Yes. But I just wasn't, you know, getting worked up. No. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, right. Like part of the idea here is that, um, and, and you really, I, I know you're this, but you, you should watch a girl's own story because All right. it feels like the better execution of this in a lot of ways and it's, it's, I think the, the style and the craft, and it's much stronger, but the dynamics are also a little more innately interesting to me. And she's, that's a movie where she goes from doing this kind of very distant, obscured, almost like voyeuristic camera placement to doing like very extreme in-your-face close-ups. And the balance of the two helps, I think. Versus this thing that's putting you at her move on purpose. This movie is sort of like a tenant without the temporal pincer movements? Sure. It's just it's, backwards. They right, don't go
1: forwards at a certain point. At where.
0: the end of the movie, you realize they were best friends, right? Uh, but it starts off with two people who seem like they had, couldn't have less to do with each other and are, you know, an icy remove from each other. Yeah. Uh, and then slowly the intimacy
1: comes in backwards and you start to understand uh, how
0: let's much things apart. changed them over the last year. split right. them apart. And it's
1: only set over the course of like a year. It's not even like... Right. The, right.
0: And you have title, inner titles telling you like... X months earlier, July, two months yeah. earlier, whatever it is, it's it's very clearly delineated. But, um, yeah, I don't, I I, I think I, I do, yeah, I don't know, I I kind of agree with you that there's, it's just, I, I wanted to fucking love this thing.
1: I have some news for you. And I, love Gila the Jacob, it. Jacob, uh-huh. famous, infamous uh, honcho of Cannes for many years, uh-huh. saw this movie and all her shorts, okay, all the whole package, yeah, and phew, takes. Philip Adams, chairman of the Australian Film Commission. My guess is he grabs him by the lapel. Yeah. yeah. And pulls him close. <laughs> and he says, listen up, buddy. know, he says, uh, listen to me now. Yeah. You must give her lots of money so she'll be in competition here with a feature in a couple years. Like, he's basically like, this is the real deal. That's what it's about. Pony up.
0: That's the thing. Like, to have fucking three shorts and a TV movie all play a in the same year feels like someone putting their foot down and going like, attention must be paid. We're uh, calling... Absolutely. The shot right now that this is a major artist. You know, we've covered some directors who came out of the gate, like, pretty close to fully formed, right? Have just kind of, like, impeccable first films. Sure. But there's something fun about any time we get to go back to someone's first film that is really kind of, like, primordial like this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: A Loveless, or, um... Yes. Trying to think of other debuts that feel that way. I
0: mean, I don't like
1: this movie as much, but the uh, Praying following, with Anger. Praying following with anger. is a great example.
0: Right. Where there is this weird kind of like time machine effect where it's like you're watching this movie that is a director trying to figure themselves out with the knowledge of the future, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're seeing it through the prism of like, what does exist here at the earliest stages? What have they not figured out yet? I do always get that kind of rush every time we watch like a forgotten first film by someone who goes on to be someone major later. And, and if we're covering them on the show, they by default have become major to one extent or another. Um, yeah.
2: Tax day is coming. Oh No.
1: I'm trying to think of things to say about two friends it's but, got well, some ben, punk tell me about in your it. viewing experience
2: huh it's got some punk in it's it it's got some punk in it yeah so Which, one, of,
1: one of the friends is a little more punk than the other right what?
2: well i would say kind of more maybe new wave right to be sure yeah yeah but um that is it right away drew me in and that she's like having this like the movie starts off with her having this rebellious moment yes and to what you were saying david I like how understated it is that this girl is making such a poor choice. And you're Mm kind of like, how is everyone in her life letting her do this? But then again, as the movie goes on, it kind of really, yeah, you really under come to understand it. Well, in
0: the very end of the movie, which is chronologically the beginning is like this girl saying, I'm like, I'm never going to do drugs ever in my life. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does. I'll say this. It does evoke that thing when you are a teenager and everything feels so high stakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And things can change so radically over the course of a month. Yeah. And, and right. Yeah, like exactly. you're just like, I will be friends with this person for the rest of my life. And a month later, you're like, I'm never talking to them ever again. And also, and people that, go through weird phases and extreme life events and all
1: that sort of shit. That's yep. sort of foolish, but you know. Uh, understandable way that we act as teenagers, where we're like every decision yeah, poorly, I make is really important. Poorly, yeah. You yes. know what I mean, like yeah. where it's like this is you know I'm just, I'm deciding on my personality here. Like, yeah, you know, like it, it's still exciting. Yes, yes. Now I'm like I just want to David a nap, David. David my taking that. That's my thing. I, 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 truly, the longer the show goes
0: on, the the thing that that still rings in my head the most is Detective Dormer saying, "Let me sleep." Let me like sleep. of all the movies we've covered, I just I. I just constantly think about, like, him just lying, please let me sleep. Like, th- I, at all times, my reaction almost
1: everything now is like, I don't want to deal with this. Just let me sleep. And, you know, when I was a teenager and I saw Insomnia in theaters, I was like, he's so old. Yeah, this fucking- Of course he wants to sleep. Right.
0: Then you watch Insomnia now you realize he's
1: 35. Right now I watch and I'm like, oh, this is 20 years ago. Pacino's still kicking.
0: Yeah. How scary would that be, though, if that's a movie where you realize, like, he's 35 in this? He knows my age in this? Right. What the fuck? The fucking Homer Simpson, Tony Soprano
1: thing. Where oh, just, man. Like, how old is that character? I looked it be? up, Ben. I looked up what Ned Flanders' dad says. Okay. Oh, man. Ned spilled ink all over, all over my poems. He's a real flat tire. I mean, a cube, man. He's putting <laughs> on this us on the train to Squaresville. <laughs> so it is to Squaresville, but he also yeah. calls him a cube. Nice. It nice. rolls. Whoopsie doodle. Flanders. Splendor's low-key one of the best characters of all time. Great character. What do you think of the later revelation that he has a giant dick? Remember when The Simpsons snuck that in like season 10-ish? We had, we had a very heated conversation about this with the Doughboys. We, we did?
0: Yes. About his big dick? In our tech Because I was trying I to remember. watch every episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, right, right, right. In the pandemic. And then I slowed down because I got freaked out about what if I finish watching...
1: 32 seasons sure, of the Simpsons before is, there's a vaccine. is not unfucked, right? Right. Yeah.
0: Um, but, which, uh, look, I was getting ahead of myself. America will never again be unfucked. But um, uh, Weiger was arguing it's a double beat. You dick? already have the thing that Flanders is like surprisingly ripped, right? right? He's which got I think the they abs, reveal in right. Streetcar. And then, like, the, the uh, fucking whatever the episode is with the skiing. Super sexy like, Flanders. Right, but... right. And then the additional he has a big dick is like you don't need it. Already the fact that he's like secretly cut. I agree with that. I agree but with that. But I kind of like the idea of him being ashamed of having a big dick.
1: I guess so. I but I agree with Weiger that like right, you already did the work. Like the and stupid sexy Flanders can't be taught because it's funny because Homer is acknowledging that he's, he's hot. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be one thing if Homer's just like, ah, I can't stop thinking about Flanders. And he's yeah. like, stupid sexy Flanders. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> First ten
0: seasons of Flander characterization. <laughs> it's one of those things where every time they add a new wrinkle or depth, you're just like, this guy just got more interesting. The the fucking beatnik parents. When do they kill Maud? That's later. That's like it's a twelve, 12 or eleven or twelve. That
1: was bad. Oh yeah. That
0: that episode is horrendous, and that's sort of a point of no return. That's the a real. For that's me. a real tough episode. That right. episode in in and of itself is bad. Yeah. Like aside from that being a bad choice of a storyline, it's bad.
1: Didn't they kill her because the actress
0: laughed or died? Correct. And then they, but they justify his life. It feels like a way to mix up the status quo. And I'm like, you're never going to carry this with appropriate weight. You're a show that doesn't care about serialization. And then the actress ended up coming back, and now they've had Maude a couple of times as like a ghost. God, it's still on. Yeah. It's that weird thing of like the Simpsons premieres the year I'm born. Sure does. And I just can always track like, oh yeah, that's the exact span of my life. They've been making Simpsons episodes Every single moment of my life. Yeah. And which one of us will die first?
2: The Balenciaga thing, too, I haven't watched yet, but I'm interested. I just also find it so fucking
1: weird. What are you talking about? The Simpsons crossed over with Balenciaga. You know, mm-hmm. Homer wears a big jacket. Really?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. You didn't hear did about it Did they do this. like
1: a product line or they just did like an animated
2: well, thing? I'm pretty sure that it's in an episode. It's in an episode, I think.
0: It was like they used the Simpsons to debut their new... Correct. I'm looking here. There's a $995 Balenciaga Simpsons hoodie. Yep. Yes. And a $595 Balenciaga Simpsons shirt. So it does seem like they made some products as well. Can I say something, Griff? Yeah. Worth it. There's also a keychain that
1: costs $260. I don't think any of these items look good. Ben, have you ever been to a fashion show like a... Like, I've never know, been fashion, invited.
2: Like proper, no, no right. one's invited me. You should go. You should do it. I would love to. It seems fun. Yeah, it does seem like. But a you blast. know what?
1: You want to be on the first row. I feel. like. Well, I gotta be. Yeah, I think that's. Probably, I'm a
2: first I think row it's guy. Pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> so these, if anyone out there knows somebody, you know, I'm like, I'm so open to it. These yeah. items are insane. They look like T Public shit.
0: They do. They literally just have like Simpsons shit printed on. Right, and like this keychain looks like something you would get from the Simpson shop at Universal Studios, except. Like, it looks like the fucking crusty Land keychain that I have. Yeah. Except it costs $260. Yeah. It looks no different in terms of materials. And it's just uh, the Simpsons. It's probably pretty nice. Happen to be wearing Balenciaga on it.
1: Better be. And Jane
0: Campion directed this. That's why we're bringing this.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jane Campion loves um, The Simpsons. Anyway, She's really been on The Simpsons. Everyone has. At ha- this point. Happy Plus anniversary. everybody. Oh, God. Um, Doughboys are on The Simpsons. They were
2: they were drawn on at least the fucking right. rules, no man. That's Mitch, pretty, like a fucking real voice to character. Bride.
1: Oh, has he? There's okay. an episode I where Simpsons about. go to
0: Boston and they oh, sure. cast Mitch as hometown boy makes good. But then they drew Mitch. Correct. They drew and Mitch, Mitch and Weiger non-speaking and like in an Karina episode where they podcast. Uh, Sharpling and Worcester. Right. You know, like a right. bunch of bunch right. of
1: podcasters. Right. Right. The Mount Podmore. Yeah. The big boys. Um, two friends. Yeah.
2: Chris oh, okay. Bidenko
1: and Emma Cole. What's with the dad? Ooh, he's bad news. Yeah, because his whole
2: deal is like he's like so progressive that he's like flipping the conservative dad kind of trope, right? right. Am I am I wrong yeah, on yeah. that? Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll admit, I keep on in my head. I'm running shit from a girl's own story and two friends in together because I watch them back to back, right. Girls Own Story has one of the most bizarre parent dynamics I've ever seen in a way that's really fascinating. So the dad this stood out to me less because I was just coming off of the like, what's going on with that fucking dad? Um, but yes, I feel like she's way ahead of the curve uh, uh, commenting on people who go out of their way to project a sense of liberalism. Yeah, right. 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 To cover up for, for appearances? their shortcomings. Yeah. Yes. right. Um, just a reminder that things that people argue about as if they're new problems are things that have been going on for time immemorial, and that we live in a cyclical society that just repeats the same shit over and over again every ten years. Um. So yeah,
1: you've got. I mean, like, just to give the vague plot, I guess you've got Louise, who's the more straight-laced one, the David. <laughs> this problem's true. But you see, I'm less straight-laced than you in some ways. I don't know. In what? In what ways? Yeah, I don't know. David doesn't want to say that Kelly. He's got curly laces. Yeah, I got curly laces. Kelly is the, the more punkish one. The Ben. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Wait, Ben, what's the deal with you watching this movie, though? What's the subtitle? Oh, yeah, language? you were telling us oh, yeah. what's the story. So
2: I fucking watched. I didn't realize it was on Criterion. Mm-hmm. So instead, I like watched through some really random film company that now I'm like, hold on, let me Milestone? see. Milestone? Yes. So I watched. You rented
0: it from their site or or yes, on
2: Vimeo. I watched it through their site, which okay. is being powered by Vimeo. You can't watch it on Vimeo. Right. Had no subtitles.
0: Right, because their site is primarily the rentals are like, do you want to screen this for your film class? It's less meant to be like a storefront for individual movies. It's like for academic purposes. Here's the license to watch this movie. Okay, so you watched it there.
2: No subtitles. So. For me, you I You didn't was, understand
0: most of what they were saying. I had no
2: idea. Yeah. It the was accents like, are I, heavy. I had to click yeah. those subtitles on real
0: fast. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, you were going to have some accents, you know? Kay?
0: And it's also like, it, it, there's some there's some teen slang that's now yes. 40 years old, so it's like, it, the, the subtitles were helpful. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I was... Oh,
0: it's also a low-budget film where the sound quality isn't
1: the best. It's a little model sometimes. Sure. Right. It's the, the scan is not perfect. Um... So, what's going to happen is Kelly is going to, basically, by the end of the movie, be like, almost homeless. Yes. And like, doing drugs. But by the end of the movie, you mean the beginning of the movie? Exactly. By the, sorry, by the end of their friendship. Yes. The beginning of the movie. Right. Right. Um, but, right. But Louise is the one who actually has the sort of permissive parents mm-hmm. who don't really cock an eyebrow at everything, at anything. And, which I get. Like, the sort of, the kid who kind of goes conservative to rebel against... The permissiveness, like, makes sense to me. I need kids th- like that. That
0: also makes sense from the campaign perspective. Not that she's conservative, but the idea of, like, if you have the loosey-goosey artsy parents that maybe you become a cerebral, you know, academic.
1: I don't uh, know. Yeah. No, no, for sure. And, like, you know, which is what I expected more from this movie. You know, there's the stuff with their, like, romances. They don't know how to talk about it with each other. Yeah. In different kinds of ways, right? Like, and just like that's to me so fundamental to depictions of team friendship is like it's so tough for team friendships to handle romance sometimes, especially like really tight knit friends. Yeah, you know, one of them gets a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's mm-hmm. like even the, like hard w- to navigate that dynamic where puberty sort of hits. Right, you mm-hmm. can hit people differently. Like right. some people are right
2: early. You know, like early on and we are going through. Been. Um, I was kind of. I guess early, yeah. 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 Sometimes
0: it hits very late. Like, I'm hoping the next year or two. (laughs) 2022, I think, might be a big one for me. Uh, What about you, David?
1: What about you? I feel like I was late. I was always tall.
0: Well, right. Um, How young did you crack six feet? uh,
2: Like 12.
0: Okay. I think.
2: And that is when you're like... I think when I was 12, I was 6'1". Jesus fucking Christ. And
0: Damn. my doctor. I think when I was 12, I was 4'9.
1: Like, I'm not <laughs> even joking. I remember it being a big deal when I cracked five. And now I'm trying it to a while. I may have been 14. I just remember there was some age, it was either 12 or 14. Yeah. When I hit, I was over six feet. I was the same height as my dad. I was 6'1. Mm-hmm. And my doctor was like, You might be done. You might have like a Another little left. Go. Go. Wow. Yeah. And I, I had two more inches to go. Mm-hmm. I think I was, I think I may have been 12 and I like hit six, three when I was
0: 14. And that was that. Yeah, I was like 19. My doctor was like, You might have another inch or two in you. And I was like, Come on.
2: Yeah, let's go. I kept well, on being I, like, you know what? what? If I,
1: I had friends like that who sometimes like happens. added a few inches in like college. I know. I kept on hoping. Like, yeah, it was funny. Like the kids who were very small and like they actually yep. just were really late. I mean, my to like, grow. mother and father. Know but like I feel like my voice broke when I was like 13 like I was a little late on some of that stuff sure Yeah. I don't know well, what That's happened to
2: me one. I will say is that uh so I'm a size 12 foot and oh, right. basically just had that right away and David is a yeah, clown, he's, he's clown putting feet. his eyes his big, eyebrows up and down you have fucking
0: clown feet I've
2: always had clown fucking feet fucking
1: Sasquatch over yeah, here yeah so uh, it's
2: uh, like it was like a moment where I was like really clowning and real mid up, walking around yeah, hey hey right, sexy so hey hey
0: uh, my my mother and father are both very small people. They're small people.
1: Uh, your, your mother is comically. My
0: petite. mother is comically petite. Yes, she's and petite. it is like a, a, a fucking porcelain doll. And then my paternal grandparents were small. I mean my my grandfather was stocky but not particularly tall. My grandmother was tiny. Uh, my maternal grandmother was tiny. Uh, my uh, my maternal grandfather was like over six feet tall. And whenever we complain about the fact that we're short, my grandmother's like, I tried. I tried to put some tall DNA into the pool. Sure. Well, it's there now. Yeah. He was like six foot one, bright red hair, and none of us got.
2: No. No, you did not. No. No. What if you end up having like a kid and they're like on the basketball team and are like dunking and you're like you know at those games do you know what's the thing I'm actually You'd dreading
0: do you know what I'm actually dreading what I'm dreading the day that David's daughter is taller than me and mm-hmm. how soon it's gonna happen <laughs> it's not gonna be that soon it's gonna be pretty fucking soon <laughs> for people who don't know Forky <laughs> David's wife is also over six feet
1: he's six one she's gonna be so who knows goddamn... maybe my daughter will be small I hope There's so small people I, in I the family I need something smaller yeah. um, how tall yeah. is she now
0: like three foot four <laughs> Nine she's months. The, three she's going to
1: the doctor next week, so we'll find out. Get it? Um,
0: get break. Right. I I've done. I just. I I'm keeping track of how many inches I have on her still because I'm just like it's not gonna last long.
2: You should draw. By the time she's Griffin sick, she's gonna be
0: dunking on me
2: at your apartment, just like you know, penciling a little line.
0: <laughs> David, David, <laughs> David. If I get a full sized, full scale cutout of myself,
2: no. Will you put it in the door frame <laughs> no. so
1: you can? Measure the <laughs> boss baby, against me to Stop see what... It. <laughs> Stop it. Crazy person. I think
2: that'd be a fun way to track progress. Oh, yeah?
1: You think that'd be fun? Yeah. Is there any other sequences that stick out to you and two friends I think the last
0: 20 minutes of this are really good, yeah, which is when you get to like the honeymoon phase, the courtship, the sort of giddiness of finding the a new friend and new identity. The passing note
1: sequence is really fun. That's really good. The, yeah. the
0: letters themselves are really fun. Yeah. Uh, and there's the sort of uh, the, the dance sequence when they're all like singing and dancing along with the pop song mm-hmm. that's really fucking fun. It also is interesting because uh, we'll talk about Sweetie
1: next week. Great movie.
0: But Alex Ross Perry and I, a friend of the show, saw that together at Lincoln Center a couple of years ago. We did some double feature of two movies at Lincoln Center together. Sure. And we saw something and we were like, Sweetie's playing after." the... Have you ever seen Sweetie? We should see Sweetie, right? That's like an important thing. Sure. And we both knew nothing about it and were not prepared for how like goofy and stylized Sweetie is. Very much so. Sweetie is a movie that very much has the
1: aesthetics of Babe. It does. It's got bright colors. And, it, it, and that sort of comedic energy. It, it has true first film energy of her being like, let me try this. Right. Like, let, me, le, like, let me try a lot of stuff. Let me put yeah. everything into in case I never get to make anything ever right. again. Right.
0: The last 20 minutes of this have a little bit of a that sweetie of energy.
1: Obviously, this was made on, I'm sure, a very tight schedule and budget. Yeah. Like it's not... She had less room to try stuff like that. But
0: I don't want to be a broken record here. Uh, a Girl's Own Story has more of this energy, mm. not throughout... But interspersed, it's got the distancing, but it's interspersed with sort of odder sequences. I just found that film a lot more impactful. The last twenty minutes of this, for me, are what worked. I struggled with the first uh, close to hour. It's a film that's only an hour and eighteen so like minutes. hour out. twenty minutes. yeah. Um, I, I'd be curious. I'm not like in an eager rush to rewatch it right away. I'd be curious to rewatch it to see if it plays better with the whole thing in your head a second time.
1: Uh, maybe. I mean, in a lot of ways that those. A lot of those backward movies, yeah. you know, worked entirely differently the second time you see them.
0: But I do think the sort of like oblique distancing from right. the characters at the beginning is an intellectual idea I understand that makes it's it sense.
1: When I a little this, hard to engage. When I turned this on, in. I knew it wasn't backwards. Yes. But if you don't know that, I think it, the first 15 minutes are pretty alienating. It is. It's like friend i think just, even so just, it's alienating yeah. like
0: yeah. i was watching i was like who are the ca- who am i following here right. like because so,
1: yeah, there's a lot of adults in the first sequence as well and you're, right. you don't really know who's who and right
0: yeah and everything shot from a remove and the characters speak <laughs> very heavy accents and uh, at, wow. at the beginning everyone's like cold and dispassionate and so it's i get it like all of this is like and i feel like loveless is a similar thing where i'm like i don't know if i enjoy watching this movie i get it i see what you're doing here it's sure. interesting passion compelling
1: pieces this seems like it has connection to passionless moments you know Not that i've seen passionless moments but like a lot of mundane stuff like picking up on little yeah but passionless moments is like funny
0: it's i I, it's got this weird comic strip kind of like energy to it
1: i do have a box office game for us okay uh because this movie was released in new york city oh on April 24th, 1996.
0: So this fully fucking counts. If it got a theatrical release. Well, we're talking not. 10 years later, it must have
1: screened. Okay, so that may be last but, less. But, sure. But, but still, April 24th, 1996, David Sims's 10th birthday. Wow. wow. I'm actually in London at that point, but I am a New York. Wait, American. I'm sorry. What? Move there in 95. Stayed till 08.
0: God, I, I had a bunch of follow-up questions that just were
1: eradicated by this revelation. I don't even know what to say now. Uh, So I wasn't in town. I may have been in town because I usually would come in town in April, Passover. Uh, But I did live in England. But it did debut there at that time. Uh, It's not on the chart. I'm not seeing it here. (laughs) I'm not seeing it on the chart. (laughs) Probably played at the quad exactly. for like two days. At the yeah. cinema village. No, yeah. probably. Come on. It was probably like Lincoln Center. It was post piano. Probably some kind of campion thing. I don't know. Something cool like that. Sure. Okay. Right? Yeah. Maybe it showed Sweetie and Angel at my table. Yeah. And yeah. Um. So we can do that box office game. But yeah, is there any other... I mean, the boys wrote a whole like history of Australian cinema in the dossier. The
0: dossier is so fucking, This is the thing. Like... Sometimes I read the dossier and I'm like, is the show better if we just read everything
1: they wrote (laughs) verbatim? I mean, there's certainly enough material. The thing that's interesting and that they're sort of talking about is like Australian cinema did have this early boom Mm -hmm. sort of centered around the wars and the depression and stuff. Like, But in by the 70s, by the time Campion's coming around, it had been like decades of dark ages. Like really, not sure. really making a lot of homegrown cinema at all. But then eighties are this boom revival period Cause, between cause of, Mad Max and Dundee, and yeah, Peter, Peter Weir, Weir and George right. Miller and all yeah. these, you know, like you know, she's a New Zealand director, but obviously she makes movies yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Um, *Picnic and Hanging Rock* and *Mad Max* are the, sort of the two like movies that reboot the Australian industry because *Mad Max* that's the osploitation sure. right? trashy, and then *Picnic Weir and Hanging was, Rock* that's like the high end. the classy but, artier. Um, stuff. Um, were, Both right, of those directors cross over. They sure do, as do, of globally. course, so many yep. Australian directors and performers. Mm-hmm. It's a real powerhouse for acting, I feel like. right, So many great actors come out of I know he's another New Zealand guy who
0: often gets miscategorized as an Australian, but uh, someone was tweeting the other day, just a complete memory hole forgotten about this. The uh, When Al-Qaeda wanted to kidnap Russell Crowe to destabilize American culture pre-9-11? They, they did? This was like a People Magazine front cover story.
1: Like, once I started digging into this, I was like, oh yeah, I fucking remember this. I'll say, b- b- by the way, Russell Crowe was born in New Zealand, but I think he spent most of his life in Australia. He is okay. more Australian than New Zealand okay. in a lot of ways. And
0: certainly worked more in Australia. Absolutely.
1: Yes. Romper Stomper. Romper Stomper. You ever seen that movie?
0: Romper Stomper, isn't
1: it? Pretty good. Plays like a Nazi. Romper Stomper. Like a neo-Nazi. You know, like a skinhead bad stay away no
0: know? don't do it
1: um no i didn't know about that griffin i didn't know that osama I, bin laden I, like i guarantee you knew russell this crow. at the time that Maybe. was part of their
0: thing where they were like how do we fuck with americans what if we kidnap their most beloved movie star kiwi russell crow it speaks to like how big he was in that one fucking moment where everyone was like well he's gonna be charlton heston right he will remain this iconic for 40 years
1: So in the 70s, obviously, you do have people like Peter Weir, Mm -hmm. Jillian Armstrong merging, right? But you also apparently, very popular, the Ocker Comedy. What? uh, Which was the sort of like, kind of, I suppose, the sort of uh, American Pie type movie of its day. uh, Really? Celebrating male sexual exploits, vulgar anti-intellectual, the, you the, know. Is this a, a subgenre or is the thing called the Ocker comedy? Ocker, A-O-C-K-E-R. It's like a subgenre. It's like a okay. sort of, a, you know, trashy lowbrow comedy. With, what, what are like the prime examples of that? Let's see. Let's see. What are some uh, some Ocker movies? Um, like who comes out of the Ocker? Is this like Rick Mayall and Yahoo Serious? Like Ocker are- apparently um, recorded as a nickname for anyone called Oscar. The Australian comic strip Ginger Meggs had a character called Oscar, and that became the sort of term you use for like a youth, you know, who's up to no good. So it's like if we started a calling, bad
0: boy, if we called like raunchy teen uh, comedies, like the Ziggy movies.
1: Exactly. So you've got a uh, stork, the adventures of Thank Barry you, McKenzie. Ooh, look out for this guy, uh, which is Barry Humphreys. Oh, you know, who eventually is Dame Edna and uh, Bruce the Shark Bruce the Shark and right. uh, you know uh Alvin Purple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah Look at this poster, it's got people fucking Yeah. feet together. So that's one kind of movie. Okay. There's also um uh just softcore porn, very popular in very the 70s. popular, yeah. Uh I guess you could this go to is, a theater. Well, because yeah. it's pre VHS. No, I know, I'm you just saying. Jack Go. your hog in a fucking AMC. That's so wild. Yeah. It's well to think about that. That I was guess like, you just sat there and then you were like, I'm going to jerk it later thinking about it. That's this. the thing. <laughs> I think people like, like, had a better imagination.
0: That's the thing that's insane to think about is like, there was this moment where like going to a porno theater became like weirdly mainstream, but the roles were like, but don't masturbate. And people were like, I think I'm going to do it. And they're like, don't do it. <laughs> <Nah-uh>. <laughs> right. I mean, and then you know they they drop off, and the thing becomes like, oh, if you go to a porn theater, there are going to be like three guys there, like right. three in weird guys coat. in trench coats. They're definitely jerking
1: off. Right, and Jack Nicholson from, it, from The Departed is there, basically. Right. Back to Australian cinema for a second. I'm kind of having fun with this now. Yeah, you're great so, time. like something like Picnic at Hanging Rock obviously gets the acclaim, but it doesn't make the the dollars and cents, <laughs> the dinero. <laughs> the, the, well, <laughs> the dinero. what is the money, the currency
2: from the Australian, Australian dollar? You know, oh, they just you, call it
1: that. And you know, their money, it is, it's suck? like plastic. Yeah, it does suck. It's, it's so you can go in the water with it. I'm not joking. Really? really? Yeah, their money's like plastic money. It's like, it's not paper. Yes. It's got, it's like made out of waterproof material. I mean,
2: it's an island country. Okay.
1: It's a big fucking island. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be sure that I'm saying that's always something that people talk about, but now I want to make sure it's not some like British stereotype about stupid Australians who go swimming with their money. Yeah, there's fucking plastic money in it. Yeah, polymer. It's made of polymer. Wow. I just wanna say it's not just because like Australians like go in the water and they're like, Oh my money, oh it's gone like it's because it's, you know, more durable and it doesn't like you know have to spend money like you know, it's it's better for the environment, I think. Also you can idea. throw it on the Barbie. <laughs> you can throw it on the Barbie. You know that old um, catchphrase? No, throw another dollar on the Barbie. I mean, we probably talked about this a little in the Mad Max episode, but Mad Max is the moment where it's like, well, they never even considered going to the government because they knew the government would never give them money to make that. Yes. Right? And it becomes such a huge hit that they co- totally reorganized the industry and they're like, okay, the government's kind of out. There needs to be like private funding of movies mm-hmm. because like this thing is commercial. This right. thing is good. That insane fact that
0: like Mad you Max know, was almost exclusively financed by doctors. It sure like George was. Miller's medical school friends who had made a lot of money in successful practices, and we're just like, yeah, movie. Why not? That's a safe
1: business. Um, yeah. So uh, the box office game for April 26, nineteen ninety six. Come on, let's here, do here, here. it. Okay, April 26, nineteen ninety six. Okay. So there's four new movies at the box office this week, which is kind of part of in the April. fun. Yeah, and one of this is April, and this is a dire box office. Really, this is some shit. Okay. Um, number one is mm-hmm. an action film from one of the action stars at the time. One of the lesser ones. No offense. To a me. lesser one. And I would say it's one of his lesser films. He directed it. He directed it. It's sort of one of those, you know, it happens to a lot of these guys. Like yeah. As things are starting to get a little shaky, they're like, well, what the thing is that I should make. It. Is it Van Damme or Seagal? It's Van Damme. And I looked this up the other day, and I forget which one he directed. So Seagal directed, what, Fire Down
0: Below? Is that the one he directed? Yeah, right. It's the environmental one.
1: Right. It's the masterpiece. <laughs> Yes, that is. Yes, uh, he. I'm sorry, he it's didn't cool. direct it, but he. That is the one. That's environmental. Maybe Seagal never directed a movie. Seagull did. Didn't he didn't direct he? the environmental movie? Seagull directed a movie. He may. He definitely directed a movie. I mean, there's I mean, like. Uh, sorry, he definitely he directed on Deadly Ground. Thank you. I'm that's sorry. I was about to pull the title. Yeah, yes. Go. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, wh- anyway. What's this Van Dam movie called? It's called The Quest. Right. It's right. the one where he's right. going to Tibet. I think. Yep. Uh huh. Not a good uh, actor. And there's going to be like a big fighting tournament in Tibet. Hmm? Not a good actor. Jean Claude Van Damme? Yeah.
2: I would say probably the worst of the bunch of like 80s action stars. He's become a better
1: actor. Right. He's actually, as he's aged, gotten a little grit to him. I mean, he's the villain in The Expendables, too, right? Is he the villain?
0: Two. And I believe his character's name is Villain. Well, Villain. He directed another movie in 2010. How, How was it? It's called Full Love, original title,
1: Frenchie. But yes, I do feel like when he was at his peak with like Time Cop and Universal Soldier and all that, yes, he was, it it was that he was acrobatic and he could do the splits and all that. Like, yeah, he's not like a good actor.
0: I also feel like unlike Seagal, he has talked about the fact that he was like cocky and lazy and high in his own supply and that he kind of fucked it up for himself. Sure. And like you watch uh, uh, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, a film I love. Good movie. Uh, and he's got like an odd amount of gravitas in that, where you're like, holy shit. Like, wh- where did this fucking come from? I think when his career bottomed out, unlike a guy like Seagal who went further up his ass, Van Damme was like, I need to like appreciate
1: what I have and sure. work for what right. I he's want. He's not an asshole in the way that... He used to be. Right, he used to maybe he be an egotistical be. guy, but... Uh,
0: I, I think he's gotten mellowed out. Although, so some yeah, of the I other
1: people in the quest, Roger Moore. wild older Roger Moore James is, Remar
0: I mean this is the on deadly ground thing where it's like now I'm ready for my serious statement Jack, I want to make a
1: serious movie Jack McGee love Jack McGee love Jack McGee anytime I can get some McGee yeah I want it yep remember he was so good in the fighter. So good. And Moneyball, he's one of the... Great in Moneyball. One of the scouts, yeah.
0: I watched that fucking first scene in Moneyball. Not the first scene, but the first, like, boardroom scene where all the scouts are talking Mm -hmm. and Brad Pitt does the, like, blah, blah,
1: blah, blah. I watched that scene, like, fucking five times a day. I'm going to watch Moneyball right now. I'm going to throw it on. So good. Number two. It's uh, Chick Flick. Okay. Rom-com of the 90s. Classic watching on a plane. Uh, Long title. It's not Roman
0: Michelle's high school reunion. No, that's a good one. Right, that's why I'm to think of something that's lower than that. Yeah, but it's a long title.
1: Yeah, a long title. Truth About Cats and Dogs? The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Yeah. Uh, made $34 million at the U.S. box office. That yeah, was a reasonable so hit. fuck you. Yeah. Sort of a Cyrano de Bergerac thing from what I remember. At yes. Cyrano Thurman and Janine Garofalo, right? Right. Janine is the sort of Cyrano. And She's, is this uh,
0: the same year as Jerry Maguire? Yeah, ninety six. Right, because Cameron Crowe said he wrote the Renee Zellweger part for Gene Garofalo, and the studio wouldn't hire her right, unless right. she lost weight. That's the famous story there. Um, but so that's sort of her totally like
1: different movie with her. Jesus. I know. Uh,
0: I mean, I love Janine, especially in this course, period. She rules. Uh, but I feel like that was sort of not her consolation prize movie, but that was the like fuck. I need to do one of these. Right. I was told I was about to be like a rom
1: com star. Right. Put me above the title. Right. I remember that movie being cute. I think I saw it on a plane. Yeah. Ben Chaplin, Jamie Foxx. Young Jamie Foxx is in it. Mm-hmm. Directed by Michael Lehman, the Is King. he like
0: is he um, like, the Ben Chaplin's best friend? Is he the I don't know. I
1: couldn't tell. I don't, know. don't remember. Ah. Um that's the truth. Plays a character called Ed. Oh. Don't know. Number 3 at the box office is It was number 1 the week before. Okay. It's in its 4th week of release and it spent Three weeks at number one. This movie spent three weeks at number one. It is a legal thriller that got an Oscar nomination. The Client? No. When you f- hear that this movie was three weeks at number one, I know it's a different time in Hollywood. It's April was not like... Primal Fear? Primal Fear. Yeah, it was a big hit. Three weeks at number one. It was a big hit. It was a pretty big hit. It was a pretty big hit. And you know, there's that... Do you follow the Oscar clips account? Yes. They, I forgot that Edward Norton's Oscar clip reveals the twist of primal Fear. It is the last scene in the movie, basically. Is it? I was I. I so I
0: only watched Primal Fear for the first time in the last like two years. I guess I wa- it's
1: not the scene it, where he right. reveals that, that he doesn't have the stutter. That's the first Spoiler. of the two twists. Uh, but right, it's, it's that, one. It
0: ruins one of the two. It's but, that
1: he did it right. But you're right. The question is whether his
0: motivations, like right, right. And, and which one's the dominant personality. But also, David, by that point primal fear is getting an oscar nomination like 10 months after it's, it's basically blown up the box later. office. Basically right it's like
1: later. everyone's seen this they know what the fucking thing is yeah <sighs> primal fear that was um, not very good i know it's yeah. not and you throw it on yeah which i did a few years ago and it's like gear norton laura linney yeah. john mahoney alfrey woodard francis mcdormand terry o'quinn andre brower you're just like ah, yes. yes 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 yeah and then it's like it's it's kind of whatever, and it's sort of long. It's like two hours plus. The fascinating thing with it too is like
0: that's the movie where like fucking Edward Norton is like a drama school student who out of nowhere gets this fucking prime role and everyone in Hollywood is like, this is the new leading man, Academy Award, nomination, anointment, you're the guy, right? Like two years later he's on the cover of Vanity Fair, and it's like, is there any question Edward Norton is the actor of his generation? When he does the score with the Nero and Brando, everyone's like, of course, the three Titans. Three generations, right? And you watch that movie now, and the Edward Norton shit holds up the worst. It that does. performance does it's, not really work through modern eyes. And, and at the time, everyone was like, this is sort of embarrassing. Richard Gere got out-acted out- by Norton. Here's a Richard Gere vehicle, and Norton's running circles around him, and the gear shit's kind of creaky. And you watch it now, and you're like, gear shit's kind of good. Gear's solid. The thing Gear's with solid Norton is, it.
1: he's a good actor. But the performances he's most famous for are the really gimmicky, yeah. over the top, tick filled things. And
2: also kind of synonymous with really toxic kind of stuff.
0: There's a part <laughs> of that, but I think it's he's more a fight than Fight Club to
2: me is just like a thing that I was obsessed with in high school. Well, you were
0: into Fight Club? I. <laughs>
2: I well, I, mean, well, I don't want to talk about way. it, David.
0: Wait, what you want to like make he bombs did. out David, of soap? Don't make him talk about don't it. Don't make me talk about it. it. The Fight Club is one of the uh, trickiest uh, texts to parse. Movie. Look, look, like,
1: I think his boxing. performance
0: boxing. in that holds up great. I think he's
1: great in that. He's so in
0: good that. In the movie. He's so I good. think the Norton performances that hold up bad are, as you said, the very ticky actor showcases. Look at how I trained myself to do this fucking thing, David's Doing a jerk off motion. I kind of agree. Allison Wilmore wrote but a really good piece about it when Motherless Brooklyn. He
1: sometimes fucking nails it. I mean, it's so funny. I think so good in like people versus Larry Flint when he's oh, playing incredible. like the kind
0: of ordinary guy. He's yeah. Amazing. Also, I mean, like Wes Anderson's been using him great. Sure. Yeah. But Wes Anderson has gone totally against his intensity. Yeah. He's so fucking good in Moonrise and in Budapest. I
1: think he's great in Birdman. Like that movie is a pain in the ass, but, that but like, also, he's good in it. That felt like him making fun of himself. Right. Exactly. That's why it was it was fun. and self aware.
0: Weirdly good at comedy. Yeah, he is. man. Normal guys, and if you death give him like smoochie. a thing to play, uh, what's it
1: called? He's Keeping, the Keeping, Keeping the faith. at the Keeping the faith. faith. He's yes. good. Keep the faith in that one. Yeah, but give but them. the like big like, can you believe Edward Norton? Did this? Those? This often, those are just. I guess American History X is like the magnum opus performance, which is compelling. I don't like that movie. I, I hate it. it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's in just like so years. ugly and so nasty, dark. Movie. Number four at the box office, uh-huh. Griffin. Uh-huh. It's one of those movies that when I was a kid, I'm ten years old, right? And this movie comes out. I would see posters for, it and I'd be like, "That's a fucking grown up ass movie. Yeah. What is that? What is this what's that about?
0: Boring ass movie for grown ups."
1: Um, it's a crime thriller, sort of a neo-noir directed by a New Zealand filmmaker. In fact, is it a Lethal Mahori? It is. Uh, is it Mulholland Falls? It's Mulholland Falls, Nulty, Melanie Griffith, Chaz Palmentary, Michael Madsen, Chris Penn, Jennifer Connelly. Is Hedaya in that or do I just want him to be in that? Bruce Dern... We got any Hidea? No Hidea. He should be. Oh, I it thought he in
2: Zendaya. What's that like, is? Zendaya. In? Zendaya?
1: Yeah, Zendaya's in it. Okay. <laughs> she plays Michi. Uh, Malkovich apparently shows up. I still don't know what that movie's about. It kind of went nowhere. Yeah. I just know it's like men in hats and it there's just, crime. It looks so prestigy for a movie that no one seems to it's love. It's literally based on The Hat Squad, which was like a famous LAPD detective unit. I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Look like, at my hat. I'm going to go
0: I fuck Jennifer fucking, Connelly while wearing just, a hat.
1: You know, I don't think it cost a fortune. The budget here is twenty nine million dollars. Okay, it's just back in the day. Yeah, like you know, it's MGM. it's MGM. They're like, yeah, sure, Mulholland Falls. That'll sell. This is the thing.
0: I mean, this People is People will be excited to see what whatever that is. We fucking lost. Like, you know, I feel like when we play the box office game, it kills a lot of nostalgia for like better times because you're like shitty movies were always coming out, but there's a different type of shitty movie where you're like a studio would just make a thirty million dollar period crime thriller with like 10 good actors in it. That's not a thing anymore. It's not like I I, I yearn for the halcyon well, now, days. of no. What was that
2: HBO Max movie that everyone was raving about? Well, this is the point. It went to HBO Max. What's well, the movie? Uh, no Sudden
0: Move? Yeah. Gene. Right. No, no Sudden Move <laughs> rules, but sort of Oh, it's it. good? Yeah. Oh, okay. But he's been very open about the fact that he's like the exact kind of movie I want to make, which is like adult sort of genre exercises with great actors is only going to get done at HBO Max and it's only going to get done because I know how to make things for cheaper than anyone else. And he's just got this deal now where he's like, if I can deliver you like one movie a year with like 15 names in it and I can get it done and I'm my own DP and my own editor and this and that and I, I, my dolly is a wheelchair and I like, get, shoot it in fucking four days, they're like, yeah, whatever, go, go do what you want. But they all get punted to HBO Max, which is a bummer.
1: Number five of the box office is new this week. It's a basketball film It's produced by Jersey Pictures, Jersey Films, the... It's not Blue Company. Chips, is it? Not Blue <laughs> Chips. Sort of a forgotten film. I've never seen it. I know it because of its name. It's uh, named after a neighborhood in Brooklyn. Um, is and I, heard neighborhood in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. And I saw it on the list and I was like, right, that is a movie. It's a basketball movie and you've never seen it. Never seen it. Sounds like it'd be in your fucking it's wheelhouse. It's sort of like a uh, tough... Uh, unconventional coach molds a bunch of young men you know type movie I don't think
0: I know what this movie is
1: the movie is called Sunset Park yeah I don't think I knew that was now you know you got some it? well I'm gonna tell you you got some actors you might you know recognize well really just Terrence Howard okay uh, is one of the young players on the team I, okay. I don't know the Fred, Fredro star or something like I don't know the other guys the coach is played by Rhea Perlman wait a second Uh, who plays Phyllis Soroka, a P.E. coach. David, how have I never... Who, who, uh, you know, turns these kids around, I'm assuming. I cannot
0: believe... I mean, you know I love Rhea Perlman. Who doesn't love Rhea Perlman? But... Well, it's
1: produced by DeVito.
0: Yeah, no, I know. He gets his
1: wife in there. I'm
0: just looking at the poster for this now, and to have, like, Rhea Perlman standing arms crossed next to two basketball players... And the top billing on the poster is the soundtrack. Yes. yes. Right? The Above soundtrack. the title is soundtrack featuring Tupac. Tupac. The Dog yeah. Pound, Queen Latifah, Ghostface right. Killer. Gotta, and then to have Rhea Perlman underneath that, Sunset Park, and the tagline for this movie, you gotta represent. Gotta. How have I not seen it? How did I, don't I, I not know. produce it? I don't
1: know that, uh, much about it except for its name. Wow. I don't think it's well regarded, <laughs> but it does exist.
0: Wow. Carol Kane's
1: it, in it? Carol Kane's in it. Probably plays Rhea Perlman's best friend or sister. Or something. Fuck. Uh, some other movies in the top 10. The Birdcage. Great okay. Movie. Mike Nichols' is The Birdcage. They kept James and the Giant Peach from Henry Selick. A movie I love that
0: I hope we cover on this podcast if Henry Selick's new movie ever comes out.
1: Yep. Uh, the Substitute. That's, a, that's the... Um, fuck. Uh, Tom Berenger movie? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, fear. Fear. Classic. Wahlberg and uh, Witherspoon? Yeah, you
0: could be afraid of me, aren't you?
1: Let me Um, in the fucking door. Like when he does that. Yeah, when he he flips out. It is good. I'm a creep. Very good. I'm
0: going to creep on you.
1: Uh, And then um, an early Martin Lawrence uh, hit, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, has the famous poster with the papyrus font. That's the one he directed. I I did it in like five minutes. Uh, Yes, wrote and directed. Wow. Wow. Uh, With Martin Lawrence and Lynn Whitfield. Yeah, Gina and, King and Bobby Brown real head cocked comedy what? face on the there's poster. a thin line between what yeah uh, <laughs> so those are the hits okay. of April you know April yeah two friends, two two friends go see it somewhere 10 years later in New York City yeah um, Mrs. Winterborne? like what the hell is that Celtic Pride that feels like a movie you've seen
2: I've not seen it
1: Celtic Pride is a movie in which Daniel Stern
0: and Dan Aykroyd are Boston Celtics fans and they are terrified of whatever the rival team is beating them, so they kidnap the team's star players so that they start losing games. Damon Wayans.
1: Um, And it's
0: one of Apatow's first screenplay credits, right? Yes. Yes. It's co-written by Apatow, and Bill Murray has always shit on it. because
1: It's written by Apatow. Yeah He co-wrote the story with Colin Quinn. right <laughs> him and Colin Quinn were like, "Yeah, what would be funnier? <laughs> like, fuck, the you fucking Boston guy yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> right. And Bill Murray's always shit on it because he's like, "You can't cast Danny
1: Aykroyd as a Boston guy." <laughs> no, sure.
0: He's like a Chicago Canadian.
1: Yeah, he is very Chicago.
0: He's just always like, "That's the worst casting I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, he's Dan- Canadian. Danny
1: Aykroyd. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. Um, I've never seen it. Uh, Mrs. Winterbourne. You know
0: what? I'm sorry. The reason he shits on that movie, it was like an Esquire article for like their comedy issue where they interviewed Bill Murray about the state of modern comedy. And they were like, what do you think about like the new people running comedy like Judd Appetite? He's like, Judd Appetite. Didn't he write that crappy movie where he cast? <laughs> he like, his beginning and He's end of Judd Appetite knowledge it. is like, I never got over the fact that that guy at the age of 27 wrote a script in which Dan Aykroyd played a Celtics fan. Well, I don't know from Knocked Up. We're done. He's irredeemable in
1: my eyes. Uh next week, Sweetie. Sweetie. Uh sort of her first real movie. Yeah. And and a wild Ben, ben you are gonna be surprised
0: by how wild this movie is. A lot of fun. Good cool. movie. It truly is like the
1: the only thing
0: I can equate it to in tone is the babe movies.
1: And it's another film about it's got the kind of friendship. manic
0: cartoonish,
1: very stylized. Yeah. I mean family dynamics more, but still, you know, about being chaotic in your 20s right I love that Yep. Uh, so that's next week this has been the podcastiano
0: the podcastiano and
1: it's fun to say and it's only Mwah. become more fun to say Mwah, the podcastiano
2: and then if we could just get a little bit of uh, piano music to play us out oh sure Maybe I sure. mean
0: that's on you Ben or AJ and oh wait well Alex. I actually forget that um, David we should just mention one of the great appeals of uh, this
1: series we're about to get into what's that a lot of penis coming up. I think majority. That's my, I'm not, we're going to have to count. I think a majority of these movies can have I, in them. Can I make a
2: request? Yeah. At the end of the miniseries, can you rate the peens? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll rank them. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know, I'm pretty sure Sweetie has a peen. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I, know, sure peen, so
0: we'll see. I think most of them, I think most, most of them, them got a
1: peen. Most of them fucking do. We can
0: get more than a peak this miniseries. That's
1: right. Power of the Dog only has a peak. But there is a peak. There is a peak. I heard Cumberbatch was talking about giving a peak, right? It's a peak. A peak. Let's well, not let's not fucking throw a parade over here. It's a peak. But yeah. What are we seeing? Neck? Yeah, exactly. You're seeing the top third. Peak of the neck? Yeah, exactly. That's fine though. I'm excited. But,
2: I feel like sometimes Kaitel's I- hog. I mean, I'm like,
1: right? It's Kaitel. Kaitel's, yeah. You're yeah. See, you're seeing that one. You're seeing that bad boy in two separate movies. Woo! Oh, baby yeah i've sometimes seen people say He's like taking it out in like four movies but like two
2: campion movies i know you were mentioning babe before but i'm ready to see the
1: that hog <laughs> oink oink what were you gonna say griffin
0: no i've sometimes seen people in the comments go like what's this thing where griffin and david like spend too much energy talking about like male actors being hot or showing dick on screen to like show I that like they're not like you know toxically straight no i'm toxic. like they think it's performative and i'm like We talk about this a lot when the mic's off. These are real conversations that we have. We're like, did you see that guy's dick in the movie? (laughs) This is not for show. If anything, we tone it down on Mike. We do, we do, (laughs) folks. Thank you all for listening to what will be our most peen filled miniseries ever, and what what an auspicious start. David's doing the pizza box, kissing the fingers, Italian chef for the podcast. Yeah, no. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media, Alex Barron and AJ McCann for our editing. Hopefully they're playing some twinkly piano music underneath this. Thank you to JJ Burch, Nick Gloriano for our research, Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork, Lee Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. You can still listen to Extremely Loud and Incredibly Online wherever music is found. Go to patreon.com slash blank check for blank check special features where, of course, we are testing just how good Bustin makes us feel over the series of months, the four Ghostbusters films. Very true. That's what we're doing.
1: You can't stop us.
0: You can't. You can't. You can't. We're on our own now, as Bobby Brown would say. And you can go to blankies.raddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Tune in next week for
2: Sweetie. And then, you know, I just want to say, really some nerdy shit check in from time to time it gets really nerdy yeah but it's cool it's I love cool. it love I, to see I, it I like I like that we've created a safe space where people can freak
0: out over like the new poster just dropped yeah. let's analyze this billing block
2: it fucking rules it's great yeah and get in on it. it it's like people are really like positive and supportive I'll
0: say Ghostbusters afterlife billing is fucking weird and it's Crazy. very different than what's on the
2: posters
1: yeah yeah
0: it's weird hmm. Is Slimer Slimer. Can I say this? The movie will have been out for months at this point. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. But you haven't seen it, David and I have. Yeah. Slimer is fully
1: not in it. No Slimer. No, so One of like the better like That new blue fucker. Muncher. Yeah. It's yeah. Muncher. Yeah. But you
0: know who is in it? Mm. Fucking everyone else. They, yeah, everyone else. They showed a restraint and not bringing Slimer back, and they brought every
2: other fucking That thing marshmallow back. fucker. Of course, right? Ben, yeah,
1: I knew it.
0: Ben knew it.
1: Do you know what they do? No, He's don't small let's, or let's let's not talk about it's it. It's like we'll a bag of marshmallows. There for, or yeah, something. there's like yeah, eighty of them, and they're
2: tiny. Uh, they're little minions. I mean, I do like when things are a lot.
1: You, oh, you like multiple, right? Sure,
2: a horde. You yeah. like a <laughs> oh. horde? I love a horde. <laughs> well, you hate little things. What? You hate
0: little. But when they there's a bunch of them together. together. It's a okay, board, cool. griffin, so... so it's kinda like- they never, like, stack up on top of each other and become a bigger thing, though. Mm-hmm. That would have been fun.
2: That would have been good.
0: I'm almost surprised that they didn't do that either. I don't know. Listen, we'll spend too much time talking about that dog shit movie over on Patreon. So, pay $5 <laughs> if you want to hear me rag on a movie that gave me an existential crisis.
1: <laughs> and as always... Thank you. What? I said, I'm thanking you for getting back on track.
0: And as always... You're welcome.
1: It's nice to see the two friends.
0: That's what we are, maybe. Maybe we weren't first, but we did it best.
2: Oh, you want a moment? I want a moment. I need a moment now. I want just a. But David just said, "Hit record, Joe." I know he did. My name isn't Joe. No, it's Ben. That's but- why
0: I need a moment to recalibrate. I didn't know what to call you. But but. We don't have to include any of this. Take your time. I don't know.